Welcome to this special holiday edition of the Sound Africa podcast. It's special in part because Rose, our normal presenter, is not around. So I'm all alone here on the 13th floor of the Sound Africa building. That's a lie, of course. There is no Sound Africa building. Yet. But anyway, I've discovered some recordings on an old battered hard drive of a young reporter who's just arrived in South Africa. He stumbles upon a number of stories about satanic crimes and baffled, he tries to understand what's going on. The story is called The Devil in Joburg and that young reporter is yours truly. My name is Rasmus Bitz. Next customer please, Teller 5. Hello. Good afternoon, how are you? I'm good, I'm good, how are you? Better than yesterday. Uh, okay, how was yesterday? <laughs> yesterday it was empty. Yeah. Hmm. Three yeah. Rand. Okay, three rand. Yeah, I just need the sun. Do you like that uh, newspaper? I think it's a nice paper. Yeah. I used to enjoy reading it. Mm-hmm. It's quite entertaining, eh? Yes, there's a lot of stories in there. Some of them, then I don't think they are real. Some they are fake. Some they are real. You don't think all of them are real? I don't think all of them they are real. I read one in this paper today about uh, Satan's messenger was arrested. What was it all about? I think it's about like Satanism. Some people are talking about Satanists that are killing people in Johannesburg. Yo, that's actually now I'm scared. It's scary. It's really scary. Yeah. I think so as well. Huh? Well, three red here go. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you and, and have a good day. I first started reading about satanic crimes in February 2014. A friend of mine showed me an article about how occult and satanic crimes were on the rise in South Africa. Perplexed and a little intrigued, I must admit, I started researching the topic and I found out that the papers were literally full of stories of Satan. From relatively innocent stories of pentagrams being spray painted on walls at night to stories of rabbits getting their ears cut off and then, much more seriously, several cases of what the papers described as satanic murders. A sinister plot to kill 18-year-old Kirsty Theologo began with a Bible verse that's left the family reeling. But statistically wise, more than 160 cases just from January 2012 to January 2013. One story from that very same week especially caught my attention. It was the tragic story of two teenage girls found dead in a felt outside of Dobsonville, Soweto. The girls were found in their school uniforms with cuts on their bodies and surrounded by black candles and razor blades. They were found by a man walking his dog. The bodies of two schoolgirls have been found in a field in Dobsonville, Soweto, on Wednesday morning. Police have confirmed that both of the girls, aged 14 and 15, were stabbed multiple times. Families of the deceased said that the kids had not returned home from school on Tuesday afternoon, but suspected that they might have slept over at a friend's house. So the facts are seemingly there. In papers, officials and police are quoted and statistics are written up. 
However though, these statistics and statements doesn't seem to give a satisfying answer to any of my questions. One of them being, are there really Satanists in South Africa, killing people and drinking their blood? In order to answer some of these questions, I tried to find a Satanist to ask. But even though I wrote back and forth with a few people on Facebook, the closest thing I got to an interview with a Satanist was actually not with a skin, but with the director of the South African Pagan Rights Alliance. That's an organization that fights for the rights of pagans here in South Africa. The director's name is Mogus Fontelev, or that's what she calls herself on Facebook anyway. And on Saturday in May, I gave her a call. Hello, um, this is uh, Rasmus speaking. Hello, I'm I'm the, the journalist who. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't know. Like just to put it straight, so so you you know everything about it. So I'm doing a radio documentary at the moment, and it's it's about the um, what I've been reading about in the media of the occult crimes. Satanic panic. Sat- mm-hmm. Satanic panic. That's what you call it. Yes, uh, you know the allegations that are being made. Yes, and you know that all these murders and uh, crimes are being, you know, committed by Satanists. It's become a trend. It's become a trend in in reporting and journalism, you know, to um, ascribe certain types of crime, you know, uh, or, or even in some instances, you know, uh, stage certain mm-hmm. backgrounds um, that appear then to be of, you know, occult origin, etc. <laughs> Um, it's not for real. Mm. You understand what I mean? Mm. You know, when religion when religion hits crisis, a period of crisis, when politics and the economy um, hit crisis, you know, a lot of people turn around and they look for something or someone to blame. And and so in this case, what you're saying is it's that it's called scapegoating. So the South African Pagan Rights Alliance doesn't buy the idea of the increasing number of satanic crimes here in this country. But then, what about the murders? In order to get closer, I decide to go to Soweto where the two girls were murdered in February and here I meet a young woman in a mall. Um, I'm 24 years old and I live in Johannesburg. My name is Rasmus, I'm a journalist making radio and um, so I'm gonna do an interview with uh, Filve here and I just because we're in the mall you know and it's a bit noisy everywhere and with this like all these blankets and stuff you have very good sound in here so I was just wondering if we can do an interview in the store maybe you can turn off the music is that possible can you describe what happened the first time you heard about this incident I was shocked and scared, thinking that it might happen to me. Um, shocked because also um, it was it happened to someone just two houses away from me, two or three houses away from me. So it was quite shocking. So I thought maybe something like that could happen to me. It's quite scary. And what happened? Um, what actually happened there? How much do you know? Um, well, what I do know is that when I heard on the news, there were... There was a satanic killing from what I heard on the news and um, it happened to someone who uh, who was a student at a high school just in our area. 
it happened to a girl that stayed just two or three houses away from me and um, it was just someone that I saw in that morning I just wasn't expecting that that would be her last day with us on earth can you describe what she looked like um, she had if I do remember it was blonde hair dark in complexion and she was a teenager at the time and what was her name her name was Tandeka Refilva's neighbor was the 14-year-old Tandeka Moganeti and her friend, the 15-year-old Twayita Ratsayo. They were found about a meter from each other in a felt near their neighborhood. Three black candles and new razor blades were found near the bodies. Police say they have open wounds on their backs and cuts on their necks and their hands. Two boys, also teenagers from the same neighborhood, has since been arrested for the murders. But what else the police is doing in the case, I don't know. My request for interviews has so far been denied. I do, however, have reason to believe that the crime is being investigated by the Special Occult-Related Crimes Unit. A special unit founded more than 20 years ago to exclusively deal with what the police call occult-related crimes. I was also unable to talk to the current leader of the unit, Dr. Atti Lamprecht. But I did manage to get in touch with the founder of the unit, the legendary God's detective, Dr. Kurbus Junker. He's now retired from the police and lives in Pretoria where he works as a homeopathic doctor. But he's still called in as a consultant on particularly difficult cases. And even though he rarely gives an interview, he has agreed to meet me. So I take the drive from Soweto, north to the sleepy suburbs of Pretoria where Dr. Junker lives. Hello. Good morning. Good morning, Els. I'm Rasmus, Rasmus Spitz. Pleased to meet you. You too. He's my computer expert. Okay, yeah. yes. Yeah, we all need one of those. Oh, yeah. and we had problem with one computer. Yeah. You, you go on the computer, you read your emails, three emails, and then and the computer kicks off. Oh. <laughs> and you have to restart again. Ah, yeah, no, and restart again. You know, that sort of stuff. Yeah. No, sit, sit Thank you. you I'm Dr. Kurbis Jonke. I was the head of the, the of the cult unit many many years ago, up till uh, from uh, would say from the the beginning of of 1992 till 2000 here in Pretoria, and I was the national coordinator of all occult crimes through South Africa. What happened was, uh, as far as I got it, that you more or less randomly got into this just after you became a Christian as well. But then there was that one uh, night where you were told not to go and raid a church, but you decided to anyway. What, what happened that day? I was called in by my superiors, and they said, because we had se- several other cases as well beforehand, where we also found a witch that died, that committed suicide on the roads. We had two young girls that's been raped by Satanists in a coven in East London. So then eventually a letter came out, because the police didn't have much knowledge about this, and they thought it's all about, it's about churches and stuff, and it's about Christianity and that sort of stuff, you're not allowed to do this. They wrote a letter uh, prohibiting me to do this sort of work, but just shortly after that letter was written and sent out to us, uh, a, an ex-Satanist priest came running into my office. And uh, he said, you must please help us because I broke away. But the other priest, he is the Springbok Karatika. They're going to have a ritual tonight where human remains are also involved. So that night we raided the place. We found 13 schoolboys and girls dressed in black. They had a woman's vertebra hanging around their necks. 
and they had an altar where they just slaughtered the cat. I found the priest sitting on the bed. Um, he also had the vertebra hanging around his neck, but he was like in a lotus position. And uh, he wasn't with us at that specific time because I don't know whether he had drugs in or whatever. His eyes were just showing forward. Or when I called him, he, did, he just sat, he didn't even hear his name. And on the floor, we found a, a Chinese woman's head. We found some other human remains that was there. We found the books and all the paraphernalia that was there. My name was also written in a pentagram on the altar where they cursed me. So then they all were arrested. And I took all these exhibits to my, my superior's office and I placed it on his table. So when he arrived back that, that following morning, eight o'clock, he found the woman's head on his table and, that, and he only went up, went around to the phone and he phoned a general in, in police head office and he said, you know, um, we've got no option than to believe this man. You know, it's, 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 it's the powers of darkness and, and, and light. Uh, it doesn't matter whether you say the devil doesn't exist or whatever. We believe as Christians that the devil exists. Your main purpose for the, for the Satanists are against Christians. Uh, they hate the Christian God. They hate Jesus Christ. According to Kuba Shankar, the Satanic murders are part of a larger spiritual war. A war of faith, but nevertheless a war. And that's pretty much what it looked like in Dobsonville right after the double murder. Armies of policemen, councillors and politicians held rallies against Satanism and clergy from all kinds of different churches united and formed a special task force to drive Satan out of Soweto. I went back to Dobsonville and took a drive with one of them in his Mercedes. My name is uh, Archbishop Adiketso Kwapeng. Maybe before I go any further, I showed you the, the, the school yeah. where the girls were attending school. This is the stadium, Dobsonville Stadium, where the service was held, uh, the funeral service for the girls. So we'll be driving around as we will we'll be talking through this whole thing. Okay, Rasmus, I think the first thing that I need to make you aware of is Satanism, before we go any further, is also a religion. And uh, I think you know our, our constitution says everybody is entitled to, to his or her own religion and must be respected. But at the same time, we believe a, a religion does not have to contravene the Ubuntu. So what we found out is uh, this religion, which is called Satanism, is also trying to, to uh, uh, explode in our country these days because of that thing of saying each and every religion has got a right to, to be practiced in whichever way. But then uh, the thing that we realized with this uh, religion specifically is the fact that uh, it looks like uh, it deals more with the human blood. So it's actually human blood that they're using? It, they use a human blood and then it looks like uh, from what we've been hearing and then uh, what we've been, I've been experiencing because of... I've been very much involved in this satanism uh, thing whereby we've... And unfortunately, we only get into the picture when the, 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 the damage has already been done. The two boys that were arrested were the kings of these two girls in this religion which is called satanism. So the two girls were given some assignments which they failed to accomplish. So that's when, uh, I mean, they were killed uh, somewhere in the open field in Dobsonville, not at the school. 
But luckily, because they were wearing their school uniform, they could be identified by their school uniform to say, these kids belong to George Cosa High School in Dobsonville. Hence, the police went to Dobsonville to say, we've got two kids who, are, who belong to the school, and then hence we intervened immediately. It sounded like here, like it was a really big united front of all the all the clergy from all kinds of different churches. Definitely, and this is one incident which uh, like uh, nearly brought the Church of God to unity. We were very much united for uh, for that short space of time, and uh, I thank God for that because not that I mean we are happy that the children died, but we are happy because of. Ju- through the tragedy something good came out whereby we as clergy can come together and try to find our common understanding and common grounds to say uh, uh, we need to come together as a united front if we want to win this battle because it's not a one man's battle no man is an island and uh, we were like a one body of christ fighting for a common goal yes Excuse me. Hello. Do you do you know where there is a coffee shop called Fino? Theos. Theos. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's it. Yeah, isn't it? You go up to Senate House and go through to Central Block. Senate House. Where is that? Um, if you just go up this path, you'll see the main walkway. Make a left, and it's the big building with the Corinthian columns. And you just go in through there, around the corner, and then you'll see it. Hi. Oh, hello. Sorry, I'm late. No worries. Um, who gave you my name? Uh, I just uh, actually Googled you. Oh, you Googled me? Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. I've got another interview. So apparently, um, the South African Pagan Federation has been giving my name out to people oh, yeah. and telling them that I speak for them. I'm like, what? <laughs> really? You're speaking for the pagans. I am not speaking for the pagans. Uh, my name is Nikki Falkov. I'm a senior lecturer in the Media Studies Department here at the University of the Vibratisrand. And I, um, I work on quite a lot of different stuff, but I did a large proportion of my PhD on the Satanism scare that happened amongst white South Africans in the 1980s and early 1990s. So I am, I'm quite interested in Satanism, but I come from a very particular perspective, uh, which is very different to the perspective that most people in this country seem to come from, which is that we are in the grip of some sort of cultish epidemic, which we aren't, basically. So you've been following the media as well, so you have seen like that all these stories are out there. Why do you think that that's the case then? Well, one of the, okay, one of the really interesting things about Satanism is it fits very neatly into this sociological idea of moral panic, which is the perspective that I come from. And what happens in a moral panic is things sort of bubble up from not really anywhere and a combination of the media and religious people and experts and police and the judiciary and the government and educators and parents all start to freak out about whatever this particular threat to civilization is. A few years ago we also had a case where a sister of the hospital came up to me and said, you know, you must come and help us. We're sitting here with a baby that's been born and uh, the mother gave birth to this baby and the father was a a Satanist priest. I said, fine, let's go. She said, you know, if you come near this child, this child will be start screaming. And then when I entered this, there's a room where the child was lying, 
in the cot. The eyes of the child was following me the whole time. They said the baby is sick. And uh, at the back, uh, the baby had a, just like a small tail hanging out from the back. The baby had a tail? A little tail, yeah. Uh, this was strange to me because, you know, in the medical field, you also find the people will give birth and the baby will have just like a little thing sticking out at the back or whatever. And they, usually they cut it off. With the, but this was something more strange to me and so forth. So I said, no, I'm going to pray for this child. The only thing I can do is pray. When the child saw me came in, coming up to the cot, a partner from the ice following me, this child was screaming hysterically. Uh, so when I touched this child on the head and started praying, uh, this child went completely mad. I left it there and the child stopped screaming and I went off and I've asked God to, to, to heal this child, whatever. So the next day when uh, I got a call from the citizen, said, no one believed me. When I went up to this child this morning, that tail was, was off. It was gone, basically. It just fell off from the, from the baby's back. The father uh, tried to abduct this child afterwards as well because he was a priest. And then we got involved again through the police, basically stopping this. And, and we took the child away. And the mother came up to me for help as well afterwards. Today, the child's 100%. If I listen to metal music, for example, it does nothing to me. I'm, I won't become a Satanist. You know what I mean? But the, if your child is a sensitive child, for example, let this child stay away from metal. So are you saying that the heavy metal uh, and video games from America does not make uh, our youth Satanist? Yes, I am definitely saying that. <laughs> And then if you're looking at um, the police, I've been talking to uh, not the police at the moment. Um, they are hard to get to. But uh, recently I met with Dr. Kobus Junker. You actually met him? I've been trying to get an interview with the guy for ages. He won't talk to me. No, no, he's quite you're hard to get to. But actually now I'm more interested in why do you want to talk to him? Well, I want to talk to him because um, I wrote a large proportion of my PhD on 1980s media responses to Satanism and he is quoted more than anyone else. He is the big man who started it, but he's super, super interesting guy. Um, you know, I don't know what he's like now, but at the time he was very vocal about his Christianity and there were a lot of statements of him saying things like, you cannot fight the devil unless you are strong in Christ. Now the Occult Related Crimes Unit was pretty much started for and by him. And one of the things that I noticed when I was doing my research back on the 1980s is that everywhere that Kurbus Jonker moved, suddenly there was a new center of Satanism developing. So everywhere that he was stationed, suddenly there were more and more and more satanic crimes. To put it really bluntly, what it looks like is that this is what this man believed. This man managed to get himself in a position of enormous power. And as he moved around the country, so the stories followed him. So, so when we're talking about occult crimes and Satanism specifically and all these stories that I've been reading in, in the papers, um, I mean, there's no question, I guess, that these things happen, that the murders happen. And how, what's your take on that? From where I'm coming from, this is the most important question, is that, yes, murders that can be called satanic murders do happen in this country. 
And one way of looking at that is for everyone to go, oh no, we're in the grip of a satanic epidemic, we must root out the satanists, we must have more Christianity in schools, we must all pray harder, and we must ban all the music and all the websites that are dangerous and evil. Another way of looking at that is this country at the moment, and for quite a long time in its history, has been an extremely violent country. Now these murders that happen, these killings that happen, are very often adolescents, it's adolescents killing or, or severely wounding or perpetrating acts of appalling violence on their contemporaries, even their friends. And we're not talking about these Satanist murders in the same conversation that we're talking about the deaths of young women like Anine Boysons or the deaths of you know, well-known women like Reva Steenkamp. We're talking about these so-called inverted commas Satanist murders in a completely different conversation. And I think what that does is it gives our government, our lawmakers, parents, the entire control culture a way of um, reneging on responsibility and saying this, these acts of violence, these are not to do with the fact that we are a violent society. These are not to do with the fact that life is cheap in this country and that the rule of law in this country is faltering. These are to do with something else. It's something external. It's Satanism's fault. It's not to do with South Africa. And that, I think that's an enormous, enormous cop-out. Are you still uh, fighting against the dark? You, that's, that's, the, the fight is always there. Because if, if you're a Christian, uh, the powers of evil will always be there. You'll always have a fight. So if, if there's nothing going on, then you must worry. But what, what do you do then? Like, what, what should one do in order to, to not have satanic murders? Um, well, okay, the question of what one should do in order to not have satanic murders, I think, is actually irrelevant. I think the question is what should one do to not have murders, right? What should one do? How do you create a society where young men do not feel that it's kind of okay to you know, disembowel and set on fire young women. I mean, that's, that's the big issue that Satanism is masking, is the endemic violence in this country. And unfortunately, I don't think there's a way around that. I don't think dealing with Satanism will ever get us past these kind of murders. They'll find another way of happening if they don't happen through this. What we need to do as a society is we need to deal with the horrendously bad structural inequalities that affect pretty much you know, the vast, vast majority of people in this country. There's just too much poverty. There's too much poverty, there's too much inequality, horrendously bad education, unbelievably appalling gender relations, and we need to fix those things before we even worry about Satan. The two boys, aged 16 and 17, charged with a double murder in Soweto, were sentenced to each 14 years in jail in May 2015. At the sentencing, the judge said that the boys were not novices in Satanism, and they hadn't been influenced by anybody else. They had gained the knowledge of Satanism through their own research. One of the girl's mother said that her daughter was a good swimmer and that she had promised her to qualify for the Olympics before she turned 18. 
Do you think that it's going to stop? I don't know. I, I can't really tell when or how it's going to stop. But I think if, if the world can unite and start praying about this, I think things could get better. And if we could also unite and work as a world united and and, and, and work on empowering kids of our youth especially in the townships as well as as well as in the suburban areas and a lot of people could stop this and actually put the word out there that this is wrong and there are other better ways of 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 actually proclaiming your name and making yourself better in life instead of killing someone to make yourself better or show off for some sort yeah mm. i think that's a very good place for us to uh to end uh, so let's get our stuff and get out of the blanket store <laughs> so we wait until so we won't get in trouble all right uh, thanks so much for letting us use your store and thank you so much do you uh, do you have shopping to do and that kind of stuff no, I'm no? just going You're just going home. Yeah. Do you need a ride? Like I have a car, so I can drive you if you want. I don't want you to get lost. That's why I actually made you come to the mall so that you don't get lost. Yeah. You've been listening to the Sound Africa podcast, The Devil in Joburg. My name is Rasmus Pitz. Did you like this story or did you hate it? We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook or visit us on soundafrica.org. And next month we'll be back with a brand new episode. So don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or via your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening. <laughs>